thank you, Father. We thank you for your manifest presence here tonight. We just breathe it in. We just take a moment and breathe in your presence. We take big gulps of your glory tonight. We thank you that your presence is tangible. And that your presence is life. And so, Lord, I just pray for everyone that's here tonight, everyone that's listening to the podcast. Father, I just pray right now for just an increase right now of your manifest presence resting upon us. Oh, we just turn our attention to you right now, just full focus on you. And we just breathe you in. We thank you that there is times of refreshing in your presence. Thank you for refreshing us tonight as we just breathe you in. Thank you for peace. Peace in our hearts and our minds and our bodies. Thank you that your presence is a stress reliever. <laughs> thank you that you are just stress-free in your presence tonight, Lord. We just release the weight of whatever has been weighing us down, whatever's been on our mind, our worries, God, just things that have been preoccupying our thoughts. Oh, we just set that down tonight and we just focus on you and we give you permission just to infuse our minds with your presence, to infuse our being with your presence tonight. The Apostle Paul said to be ever filled and so we just invite you to fill us tonight, Lord, afresh and anew. Ooh, and we thank you, Lord, that as we just focus on you and recognize that we are in Christ, I thank you, Lord, that there's nothing that we have to do <laughs> to be filled. <laughs> thank you that it's just a thought away. It's just the fact that we are your temple, that we're already filled, that we're already new you made us new jesus we're your we're a new creation in you and we are one with you we are one with the king of kings one with the lord of lords 24 7 we have a perpetual union with you we live and move and have our being in you god and so we just remind ourselves of that reality tonight that we are breathing from inside of god <laughs> and that god is breathing from inside of us and so we just breathe with you tonight. We breathe with you tonight. And we thank you, God. Thank you that you're, we're never alone. Thank you that you're always with us. Thank you that you're always for us. Thank you that you are a help in the time of need. You are here. You are very present help. And so we just acknowledge you here tonight. Lord, I thank you that everyone that's listening tonight, Father, whether they're here live tonight or whether they're listening to the podcast, Father, I thank you that you have something for them. I thank you that they're here for a reason. They're listening for a reason. And so, God, we just connect into that by faith in the name of Jesus. And we thank you that you're going to speak. We thank you that you're going to fulfill the needs of your kids, that you know what we need. And you are our source. You are our source of life, our source for everything we need to live righteously, God, to live in your will, to 
be who you created us to be, to experience all that Jesus died for us to experience. I thank you that you are our source. I thank you that it's not in and of ourselves. I thank you that it is totally 100% by grace through faith. And so God, we just, we just release our, our faith tonight for you to do it. You be God tonight. You be the one that fulfills needs tonight. You be the answer provider, God. You be wisdom. You be righteousness. You be sanctification. You be provision. You be healing, God. You be peace. You be whatever it is that we need. And so, Lord, we just bind up everything that would try to hinder us from just receiving from you tonight. I declare, God, that our minds are open, that our hearts are are ready, God, that we are here by divine appointment. And so, Lord, we just thank you for it in in advance. We just thank you for what you're going to speak to each and every person. We thank you that, that you are doing the work here tonight. I just yield as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable and pleasing unto you because that's who you made me to be. And I thank you, God, that, yeah, there's words and due seasons for your sons and daughters tonight. Thank you, God. I just yield now to your thoughts, to your words. And I declare that tonight is a breakthrough night for someone, Father, for anyone who's willing to reach out and take it. In Jesus' name, thank you. Praise God. Well, hey, I just was, I was kind of sitting here, just kind of obviously breathing and praying. I just um, kind of see where the Lord wants to go tonight, but I, I really felt like, hmm. God's been speaking something to me for a while now, and it's kind of one of those annoying things that God says that you know is really deep, and you know it, it, it means something really profound. But how many of you know in our humanness and our, in our finite minds sometimes, we don't always grasp the level of thoughts that God is speaking to us? You know, in Isaiah it says that his thoughts are not as our, uh, our thoughts, that his ways are not his ways. Not our, that our ways are not his ways and that his ways are higher than our ways and that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And I always kind of think of like God having to be, he is wise because he has to come down and speak to us in the paradigm that we find ourselves in. And all of us are in a paradigm of thinking that is less than God's way of thinking. And so he's been saying this to me for a while, but he says, the only problem that you have is that you think you have a problem. You know, it's like one of those things when he says that you're irritated because you really are convinced that you have a problem. Whatever your problem is, you know, you think, okay, well, you know, you don't even know what to do with that. And I think that's a lot of times, like Jesus would just throw something out there. Like, you know, all things are possible if you can believe And, like, there's something in your spirit that totally leaps and says, like, yes, I know that's true. Like, yes, I agree with that. But then there's something in your finite mind or in your humanity or in your humanness or in your life experience or in just your mood that that is it's hard to connect with the reality of that. Like, you know it's true, but you don't know it's true. And... You know, it's God's been speaking these things to me. What, he, what he's really trying to unpack is that the only problem I really have is a thinking problem. <laughs> you know, that's a good news and bad news. 
<laughs> you know, it's good news in the fact that thinking problems seem to be a little seem to be solvable in theory. <clears throat> you know, you think, well, I can just, you know, you can change your mind, right? It's maybe not easy. That may be impossible for you, you know, in and of yourself. But you know, to to, to kind of grasp the idea that we have a thinking problem is is also a little freeing because. A lot of times when we're so in our problem, you know, we, we think of it in terms of it being a lot bigger or a lot more impossible or a lot more involved than being a thinking problem. It simplifies things sometimes down to a place where uh, it causes, it really forces you to confront some things. And that's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy to confront the things that we think or the things that we believe or the things that um, we're victims to. But yet, in the same time, they're a construct of our mind. You know, there's this old, I don't even know, it's like from the grunge days in the 90s. You know, I graduated college like in 90. I know I'm a little old. And, you know, so it was right like when Lollapalooza was first coming out and it was all the grunge bands and all that stuff. And there was this song, and I don't even remember who sang it. I'm sure somebody here will know who sang it. But it was like, I created my own prison. It was like this line in this song. And, um, man, that used to make me mad. I did not like that. At the time, I had a lot of, lot of bondage in my life. And I did not uh, like the idea that it was within my authority or somehow I was responsible for it. Um, and I sure didn't like the idea that if I created it, then I, then I should have some way to get out of it. And the, tr- the truth of the matter is the more that I walked with the Lord, the more I recognized the power of grace. Because whether I really created the prism or not is not the point. <laughs> the point is, is that we have a deliverer. And the point is, is that we have a redeemer. And the point is, is that we do have a problem solver. So what am I saying with all of this? I mean, even though God's been speaking to me like, hey, the only problem you have is a thinking problem. The reality of it is, is that if I was able to think something different, I already would have. If I was able to think a new thought or think differently about whatever the problem was, then I already would have. And that's why that song frustrated me so badly. It's because, okay, I created my own prison. So now, like, I'm responsible. I'm responsible for my problem, but I don't, I'm also a a victim of my problem. And I'm supposed to solve the problem, but I didn't even know I created the problem. You know, it's like you're just like, you're in a, you're in a mess. You know, I remember when years of therapy, I, you know, I was in therapy for a long time before I got filled with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the best therapist on the world, in the world, but. You know, they would always talk about reparenting yourself. And I mean, I knew I was in trouble from the very first session I ever had with the therapist when they were talking about, like, I was supposed to reparent myself. I was like, oh, my God, like, I'm a child abuser. Like, I can't reparent myself. How am I supposed to reparent myself? I'm the one that's got myself into this situation. It's like help yourself. Like, you know, my dad would always quote that to me. God helps those who help themselves. And I, like, try to find that in the Bible. You know, it's not in there. God doesn't help those who help themselves. God helps those who have no hope <laughs> for help. 
<laughs> I mean, God helps the, the helpless. God helps the powerless. He gives power to the powerless. He gives hope to the hopeless. He gives healing to the, the disease. I mean, he gives what we don't have. You know, so at the same time, he's telling me the only problem I have is a thinking problem. I also know that I'm helpless and hopeless to solve that unless he, ch- he gives me a new thought or he gives me a new perspective or he gives me a new way of looking at it, which is exactly what the Holy Spirit's job is. See, the Holy Spirit is one of his nicknames, if you want to call it that, is called the, the Spirit of Truth. And in John, uh, like I really like John 14, 15, and 16. I really, really like that. I also like John 17, but I, those are probably my, some of my favorite chapters in all of Scripture. And it really is towards the end of Jesus' life, and he's telling his disciples, he's telling him kind of his mission that he's going away. He's telling them not to be troubled. He te- he's telling them about what's to be hap- about, about what's about to happen. He says, you know, hey, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I'm one with the Father. And this oneness that I've got, you're about to get. I'm about to send you this other comforter. I'm about to send you a, this, this, the power of the Holy Spirit. He's going to be with you. I'm not going to leave you alone. You're not going to be left like an orphan. You're not going to be abandoned. I'm giving you this, this, this comforter, this intercessor, this helper, this guide, this teacher. And when he comes, he's going to lead you into all truth. And he says that he's not going to speak of himself, but whatever he hears, that's what he's going to speak. And he's going to show you the future. He's going to show you things to come. It's an incredible promise, the promise of the Holy Spirit that, that, that Jesus was promising to his disciples. You know, when I grew up in church, I grew up in the Baptist church, and really was in my mid-30s before I really understood or met the Holy Spirit for myself. You know, at first I kind of thought it was a force, like the power of God. You know, then I thought uh, it was kind of, I don't know, the name holy in it kind of intimidated me. It was a holy spirit, so that kind of meant, well, it's holy, I, I shouldn't have anything to do with that because I'm so unholy. So there was like this disconnect between, because part of his name was holy, but I don't know, as I continued to kind of seek the Holy Spirit and what this was, I remember I got, when I got taught, I was at a Joyce Meyer conference in my early thirties and they, they taught about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, up until that point, I'd had this Pentecostal grandmother growing up who spoke in tongues, who didn't cut her hair, who didn't wear makeup he used to take me to these crazy, weird meetings when I was a little kid. And so I had these really weird um, preconceived ideas about what it meant to be, you know, a Holy Ghost baptized or all that stuff. So, I mean, I just had a lot of, if you want to talk about it, I had a thinking problem. I had a thinking problem about the Holy Spirit. I had all of these experiences and thoughts about the Holy Spirit. And so... Developing a relationship with the Holy Spirit or being open to the Holy Spirit's help or understanding the power of the Holy Spirit and how that applied to me and how to be in relationship with the Holy Spirit. Even I didn't even know there was a, I mean, you're supposed to be in relationship with the Holy Spirit. Like there were so many things I didn't know. Even though I'd grown up in church, I had so many misconceptions, missed wrong conceptions. I had so many um, false ideas about this. 
And why am I saying it's because I, frankly, I had a thinking problem about the Holy Spirit. And it was a process for me to be open-minded, you know, say (laughs) open-minded, open-minded about the Holy Spirit and begin to receive uh, what the Bible teaches about it. And so, you know, make a long story short, the point is, is that I remember the very first time I heard the voice of God. I was seeking at that point, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the first thing I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, now it's funny because he told me recently, you don't have any problem. The only problem you have is that you think you have a problem. That's what he told me. But this is the first thing he ever said to me. You got more problems than a math book. That's what he told me. Very first time I ever heard the Holy Spirit talk, he said, you have more problems than a math book. I mean, that's a pretty interesting thing to hear God say, like, the very first thing God tells you. Like, he could tell you a lot of things. He didn't, you know, Mary, highly favored among women, are you? He didn't tell me that. He didn't tell me I was highly favored among women, right? He didn't come and I was an angel and, you know, give me some exploit to do, like he did Gideon or something. No, he literally said to me, you have more problems than a math book. And the second thing he said was, and you can't solve them all at once. And, you know, when he said that, I had a vision. And the vision I had was a, a, a vision of a, of a rubber band ball, like those ones that you get at the office supply stores. And it's just a, it's a ball made out of rubber bands. Except in this vision, there was this little, like a little, I don't know if they have this because I've never really had a rubber, I need to go get a rubber band ball. So not, not everybody mail me rubber band balls, but it'd be interesting to undo a rubber band ball and see if in the middle of it is what I saw in this vision. Because in the vision, there was like a, a ball, a core that was wrapped with all these rubber bands. And I saw this vision. Okay, so here the Holy Spirit tells me, you have more problems than a math book. You can't solve them all, all at once. And then he shows me this vision of this rubber band ball with this little core in the middle. And I saw all these rubber bands wrapped around this little ball. And I knew that I was the little ball in the middle. And I knew, again, this is my like first encounter with the Holy Spirit. Like I, I wasn't used to having visions. I was not used to hearing God's voice. I was not used to this kind of Christianity, right? I just wasn't used to it. So, but it was happening. And I remember as I was seeing this vision, I kind of had the interpretation at the same time. I knew I was the little ball in the middle. And I knew that each one of these rubber bands that were wrapped around me represented, I now get that it was a lie, but it was a, a, a belief or a thought that had wrapped itself around me and had caused me to be, number one, obscured. You couldn't see me. You could just see what was created by all these thoughts and lies. And I also, I was, there was no way that ball was getting out on its own. You know what I'm saying? Like that, it didn't even have arms, you know? I mean, even if it did, I don't know how you'd get, you're trapped in there, right? I mean, it was a picture of bondage and it was a picture of the bondage that I was in. And I thought it was pretty funny that, it's not, I mean, it's funny now. I don't know. I thought it was funny then, but you know, he said, you have more problems than a math book and you can't solve them all at once. And he showed me this little picture of the rubber band, but he said, I know how you got like this. And I know how to get you out. 
And I knew that he knew, like, you know, because when you put a rubber bands on the rubber ball, they, they, they go on top of each other. So there's got to be an order that they're taken off. You know, I mean, you can't just go to the very center one and start to pull it because it's covered by all these other ones. And so it was a picture of, of many strongholds. It was a picture of, of my mind. And it was a picture, honestly, if, I, if the Holy Spirit hadn't been the one to kind of say it, it would have been super depressing. But it actually was encouraging because it meant that he was going to be involved in setting me free. And that he was going to be involved in taking all of this mess that had obscured my personhood off of me. And so I'm going to go back to what the Holy Spirit's been speaking to me lately. You don't have a, the only problem you have is that you think you have a problem. Now there's two ways you can take things. You know, first of all, I've been walking with the Lord long enough. I've been studying the scriptures long enough and I spent a good amount of time on the idea of righteousness by faith. Like it is a core doctrine of the gospel. It is a core doctrine of what it means to be a Christian is that we are righteous in Christ. Now I know we may have heard this, maybe we studied it, blah, blah, blah. What does it mean? It means this is, this is the best part about what it means. In Romans 8, 1, it says, There is now therefore no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus. And the Amplified Version, it says, There is no guilty verdict for those that are in Christ Jesus. Now, let me just tell you what the real good news of the gospel actually means. Let me break it down for you in a way. Because, see, grace is offensive. Because religion and just human righteousness, self-righteousness is the opposite of righteousness by faith. And see, self-righteousness always wants to earn something. Self-righteousness is always keeping score. Self-righteousness says you deserve what you get, jerk. Right? That's self-righteousness. It's a judgment based upon our performance. And it's a constant guilty verdict. It's a guilty, 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 punish, 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 Get what you deserve, punish, punish, punish. Not the gospel. The gospel basically says that no matter what you do, no matter how bad it is, no matter how many times you do it, no matter if you meant to do it or you accidentally did it, really not your motives of why you did it don't even really matter. The point is no matter how bad you screw up, you're still not guilty. You you can't do anything, as a matter of fact, to make yourself guilty. Like, it's proclaimed, you are not guilty forever. It's an eternal not guilty. Now, I get that there's something inside of us that just doesn't even hardly, but wait, we don't deserve that. The point is, with all of this, the gospel is about, okay, the gospel is about a complete trading of your identity for Jesus' identity. It is a literal cease to exist to even show up in court. So it's not that you actually even went to court and you were found not guilty. It's that you died, so therefore you got excused from court. So the reason you're not guilty is because you're dead. And so Jesus now lives inside of you, and it's impossible for you to be guilty ever again. 
this drives religious people crazy. I mean, it really, I mean, there's a million but, 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 but no, there's no but. Your big but got crucified on the cross. There's no more but. And it takes a while for it to sink in because it's so non-humanistic. It, I mean, and it's not just the church. It's not just, you know, we act like the spirit of religion just operates in church. No, it operates in the world. I mean, this is a performance-based, we live in a performance-based everything. I mean, a merit-based, I mean, Boy Scouts are merit-based. I mean, everything is performance-based, right? And so our first reaction sometimes when God says something like, you've got more problems than a math book, your first response to that is to be like, oh, you know, like you're guilty. Like I'm guilty, I'm ashamed, I should I feel bad about myself, I should have my, my act together, like I should be further along, I should not have a problem, much less as much many problems as a math book. Like I and, and so you beat yourself up for getting in the you beat yourself up for getting yourself in the in the situation in the first place. And so I'll tell you this, there was probably about 50 rubber bands that were wrapped around me that were just that mess. It took me a very long time to get to a place where my opinion of myself was not based on my performance. And my relationship with God was not based on my performance. Meaning, if I'm doing well, I, I feel like I have a right to, to commune with God or talk to God or ask God for something if I'm doing okay. But if I'm doing bad, who am I to even ask for anything? Like, it's, it's such a, it is such a wrong foundation. I mean, it is a completely wrong foundation to even begin to have a relationship with God on. It is a completely self-righteous approach to God. And the only right approach to God is a union approach to God. It is literally that we are one with God. Your foundation in your relationship with God has to get completely destroyed and relayed in a union perspective, that there is no separation between you and God, that the only separation that exists between you and God, frankly, is a, is a mindset. It is an illusion. It's a belief that you're separate from God. It's a perception that you're separated from God. It's a way of viewing or thinking about or, or, um, experiencing God, except you're not experiencing God because you're separate from God. And, you know, and then when you worship God, you feel close, or when you're doing spiritual things, like you're reading your Bible, or you're, whatever you're doing, you're praying in tongues, or you're ministering to someone, or you're, you're, you know, journaling, I don't know, whatever it is, you like, okay, now, now I'm close to God. Now I'm, I'm communing with God. I'm, I'm, you know, me and God, we're, we're, to, we're having a relationship right now. But the truth is, is that the only thing that ever changes in our relationship with God is our perception of God. The reason why in worship God seems more present 
is because we're more present. We're actually present with God. He's experiencing us the same all the time. And that changed my relationship with God. That was another probably, I don't know, if righteousness was 60 bands, union was probably another 120 bands. You know, because I had so much guilt and so much shame. And I'll tell you, it's really hard to, that is a, that's, I mean, I was on, I mean, I was, by the time, you know, I was 30, I was diagnosed with manic depression. It's depressing to be under this constant beat the crap out of yourself because you can't do anything right. And then the, you know, then the fact that you can't do anything right perpetuates the fact that you think you can't do anything right. And then, of course, if you think you can't do any right, well, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, so you don't do anything right. And then you think about it even more, and it's just like this, it's like a snowball. And so it was quite, it was, it took the power of the Holy Spirit to get me, get, to arrest my mind. You know, why am I, why am I sharing this? I'm sharing it because we're going to constantly be, for as long as we are on the planet, upgrading our thinking. We are going to constantly be challenged by the Holy Spirit with a greater level of manifestation of truth. And God is calling us into freedom. You know, it says, for Christ died for freedom. I mean, he died for our freedom. So a great price has been paid for us not to live under the bondage of our own thinking. So freedom looks like truth that you know. Meaning it's a new way of thinking. It's a revelation. That's why another name of the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Revelation. He's the Spirit of Revelation. He's the, he illuminates and makes, he, he makes things clear. He shines the light on something so we see it in a different perspective. We see it in a different light. Transformation always occurs. Freedom always occurs as our mind is renewed. And so when God's telling me right now that the only problem you have is that you think you have a problem, he is challenging the way I'm thinking about problems. He's challenging the way that I perceive things going on in my life. And he's telling me that from his perspective, that's not a problem. Now, there's a gap between the way I see it and the way God sees it. And so a lot of times what I just, my prayer is what do you want me to see? What do you want me to think? What is it that I'm missing here? What is it that, if, Holy Spirit, if you're leading and guiding me into all truth, what's the next step? Because there's obviously, it's a, it's a, you're a guide, You're guiding me there. I'm blind as a freaking bat because all I can see is what I think I see right now. So you're going to have to, I mean, learning to totally, I have come to the place with the Lord where I don't even, I don't even apologize anymore. I know that's probably, that is so sacrilegious for some people. I mean, they probably could never listen. They might turn me off right now. Like that, she said the one thing, I'm never going to listen to her again. How ungodly is she? She doesn't even apologize anymore. What am I going to apologize for? I mean, I, I, I'm at the point here that I'm like, I am completely aware that without him, I'm a mess. 
Like, if I knew how to be better, I would be. If I didn't need a savior, then maybe there should have been a, but apparently I need one. Apparently I need a deliverer. Apparently I need Jesus. Apparently there is no righteousness apart from him. Like, I have fully embraced my weakness. I have fully embraced my inability to be something apart from Christ. And that is not sacrilegious. That's that's, That's humble. I'm not going to, I mean, it's like apologizing for being a sinner or something. Well, first of all, I didn't choose this. I didn't choose to be this way. Nobody gave me a choice. <laughs> I mean, that's just the truth. Um, and Paul said in Romans 8, there is absolutely no hope if you want to try to fight the law. You will do what, you know, I don't do what I should do. What I should do, I don't. What a wretched man I am. Who will save me from this? Oh, thank God, Christ Jesus. I mean, it is a hopeless situation without Jesus. And I, I just stopped apologizing for that. I stopped feeling bad for needing Jesus to show up. I stopped feeling bad for like being an idiot apart from the mind of Christ. I feel ba- I don't feel bad that my only problem is that I think I got a problem. I don't feel bad about that. I think that's the, I think more people should be like, well, without God, that's how we all are. It's an illusion to think you got anything. <laughs> it's an illusion to think that you have got it. Self-righteousness is an illusion. Self-righteousness you that is such a false prop. And, and we constantly, people try to constantly hide behind it. And you, they don't even realize that what it is. I mean, we've been taught that having that is responsible. Or having that is what it means to be a good person. or Like, like a, there's a good person apart from Christ. There, it doesn't exist. I don't care how good a person looks on the outside. I don't care how moral they are without Jesus. The most moral person on the planet still needs Jesus. No one's, no one's making it into the kingdom based on that. And actually, when I read my Bible, it's like those who have been forgiven much love much. It was the ones that needed Jesus the most that actually got the airtime. So, so I guess it's, we have permission to be righteous by faith. We have permission to actually accept the gift that Jesus' blood purchased for us. And there's something in us secretly sometimes that maybe, it's like we feel bad about it. We feel bad that we need Jesus' righteousness rather than sell it. Like, I, like it's, the, it's the perfect gift. It's the thing you need that you could never get for yourself. So thank you, Jesus. And I'll tell you, when you can just start to sit down in his righteousness, you can start to receive his help. And not feel bad about the fact that you need it. You know, my journals aren't full of a bunch of apologies to God. I, I you know, I, I have journal. I mean, I used to be. I mean, I used to. I mean, I had three years of asking God what was wrong with me. I mean, literally, every journal was some version of what is wrong with me. And begging him to change me. Why? Because I'm only going to be lovable when I change. And it was a real revelation to me to recognize that God loved me 
well before I changed. And if I never changed, it wasn't going to affect his love for me. Now, because we have so wrapped up change in love, performance in love, a graded scale of worthiness based upon where we are in our thinking. And God takes it all out of the, all out of the equation. <clears throat> and I remember, you know, if I say, what's wrong with me? He's like, well, what's right with you? What's right with you? And you know what's right with me? What's right with me is everything the Bible says that's right with me. What's right with me is that I'm holy. What's right with me is that I'm righteous. What's right with me is that I'm blameless. What's right with me is that I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. What's right with me is that I'm worth the blood of the Lamb. What is right with me is that I'm a royal priesthood. What's right with me is that I'm a new creation. What's right with me is that I have the mind of Christ. What is right with me is that the same works that Jesus did, I can do also because he went to be with the Father. What's right with me is everything that the gospel did for me. But yet my mind has still not caught up with. That is what's right with me. But I'm always thinking, you know, if you're always thinking about what's wrong with you, you're not thinking about what's right with you. And when you're thinking about what's wrong with you, you're acting out of what's wrong with you. You're not thinking of, you're not acting out of what's right with you. And so I just am proposing tonight that we have a thinking problem. And I'm proposing that the Holy Spirit is the one person who understands our thinking problem perfectly. I love this about the Holy Spirit. I love the fact that I don't have to explain, because half the time I don't even know my problem. You know, I love that I don't have to explain it to him. That he knows me better than I know myself. He knows my thoughts from afar. He knows what I'm going to speak before I speak it. He totally gets me. The Holy Spirit totally gets you. He lives in you. He lives with you. He, 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 he sleeps with you. He, 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 he just every, he's, you can't escape his presence. And I am truthfully where I am today. Because of the Holy Spirit. 100% because of the Holy Spirit. I think I'm still, I'm still alive today because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit totally knows everything that's going on. He knows where we're headed. He knows the past. He knows why we think what we think. He knows everything about it. I just want to just kind of sit with that for a minute because we, we forget. We forget that we have this, it's God Almighty that is with us 24-7, all the time, all the time with us. And I, I really, really, am, this is all just an intro, really. Wasn't, this isn't even really what I'm talking about tonight. This is just like a lead up to what I wanted to talk to you about tonight because this actually is kind of depressing a little bit in my mind. I feel like it's important because it's like I'm painting a picture of the problem a little bit. I mean, it's like I'm, I'm laying it out there. Like we've got a thinking problem. We can't help ourselves. We created our own prison. It's totally depressing. Right? And then you throw a little bit of gospel in there. We're relating to ourselves. 
As someone we're not, all we're thinking about is what's wrong with us. When there's all these things that are right with us, but yet we're not thinking about those things. We're thinking about this. And it's like, all that's still, it's like, oh gosh, how's that going to help me? Well, I really heard tonight during worship, I heard this, this phrase tonight. And I, I am excited about it. But it's also like when God says something, sometimes it's like, you need revelation just to even be able to interact with that. But I heard him say, this phrase, there's an abundance of grace. There's an abundance of grace. There's an abundance of grace. And I think grace is kind of one of these words that we've heard so much that it doesn't mean anything anymore. Um, grace is a whole bunch of things wrapped up into one. I mean, the Holy Spirit is called the spirit of grace. Um, you know, there's a lot of scriptures that talk about grace. There's one that says, you know, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, he became poor, that through his poverty you might be rich. I find that interesting that that's, you know, the grace. It's talking about, it's, just, it's a description of grace. Okay? Grace in that situation means that Jesus became the problem so that you wouldn't experience the problem. And that, I mean, let's take sickness. By his stripes were healed. You know, Jesus, it says, became sin on the cross. Grace becomes the problem. I mean, grace is something that is so beyond, I think, sometimes our, our understanding. I mean, people teach of it as like the power of God. Well, I believe that. I believe grace is the power of God. But I believe it's more than that. You know, they call it the gospel of grace. The gospel of grace, let me tell you what it means to me. It means that God does something that you can't do. That's what it means. God does something that you can't do. So here's what it means when there's abundance of grace. When you get to the place that you can't do it, grace shows up. Grace shows up. And I feel like tonight, the reason why the statement, there's an abundance of grace is being made. I, I, I'm going to go back to this. I, I hear somebody, who what was I listening to the other day? I'm going to try to bring it another way. See, I've been in a place in my life. I don't know if you've ever been here before. I've been in a place in my life that if there wasn't a miracle, it wasn't changing. And the, the truth of the matter is, God has me mostly living in those places now. He actually likes to bring me out to that place now on purpose. I didn't start there. I didn't start believing God for something that if he didn't show up, it wasn't you know, like you had to have a miracle. I didn't know. I, I wasn't there. I didn't know him well enough. I would not have done that. I started with an introduction to him like really a real introduction to him, not like a church service introduction to him, not like a sweet little Bible story introduction to him, not like somebody else's, like, let me tell you this story about him. Like, no, he showed up. It was actually him. It was actually his voice. I actually needed him. He actually did it, and it was just him and me. Like, I've had him and me. 
and I've had him and me and him show up and do something for me that if he hadn't shown up, nothing would have changed. And let me just say, that's the best kind of relationship to have with him. And if you're, if you're in a place like that in your life, you know, it sucks to be in the place like, hey, if there's no miracle. I mean, that's not a great, nobody wants to get there. Matter of fact, especially self-righteousness. Self-righteousness does not want to be there because that means you need something. means there's something wrong with you. means that you need a savior. means that you got yourself in a mess. Whatever it means, you need help. And, you know, I'm going to look down on that because I've got my act together and you obviously don't. I learned the glory of not having your act together. Hey! Boy, that's good. <laughs> I have learned the, the way to just, I mean, it thrills. It thrills Jesus for us to, to be, I mean, he doesn't like us to be in, he doesn't ask us to have a problem. But you know what? He doesn't have a problem being God. He doesn't have a problem being the Savior, being the Deliverer, being the man. He does not have a problem with you worshiping him. He does not have a problem with you coming to him with a problem that's too big for you. That's the great thing about God. And you know, it's, it's, a, it's a surrender, really. It's not, because a lot of times what happens is we come to God and, you know, we want God to fix it our way. And I don't know, I just wanted, I didn't, I, I, I ran out of ideas. I really didn't care, honestly. By the time I got there, I was like, you know, it was just, I'd love to say that I was such a good person, that I followed Jesus because I'm just a good person. No, I followed Jesus because there was no other alternative for me. That sounds so pathetic, but... It's awesome. It's awesome to, to meet that person. It's awesome to meet that person that is worthy. <laughs> like, it's, he's worthy. He's not worthy because somebody told me he's worthy. <laughs> he's not worthy because I feel guilty if I don't think he's worthy. Like, he's worthy because of my personal experience with him. Who? My personal relationship with him. I've never been loved by anybody like this man named Jesus. I've never been seen by anybody like this man named Jesus. I've never heard the words that anybody has spoken like this man, Jesus. I have never been so enthralled with anyone my entire life. And I've just barely scratched the surface. He is, he is, he is everything that you could ever imagine that you could ever need. Now, I mean, that, and again, it doesn't help you necessarily for me to say that, but it maybe it gives you hope. That if he can help me, <laughs> and and the thing is, is that it's really just about being honest. It's about being authentic. It's about coming out of hiding. It's about it's about just being yourself. That's the thing. The best thing about Jesus is that you don't have to hide. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to act like you have your act together. I mean, I think it's pretty funny that the Holy Spirit said you've got more problems than a math book. I mean, he had a sense of humor about it. He was not uptight. He was not intimidated. He was not disgusted. He was not upset. He was matter of fact.
And I love the fact that he said you can't solve them all at once. He said, we're going to do it together. And you know, he was so awesome. He's like, the first one we're going to tackle, he picked the least dramatic, drama-free issue. He's like, this one doesn't involve people, because I had all kinds of issues with all kinds of drama. You know, and he just, he made it simple. Meaning he made it something that I could actually do. He didn't make it like, you're going to have to do this impossible thing. It was just really simple. Like, and, and this is what he said too. He's like, you think you're going to do this through your own power. He's like, I'm more powerful than anything that's going on in your life. And you know what? Here's the best part about it too. He gets all the glory. He gets all the glory. I don't get to sit around and tell you about the 10-step program that I went through. And all of it, no, Jesus did something to me. And he's still doing something to me. He's doing stuff all the time to me. He's changing me. He's changing me. And you know what? There's still a lot to change. But here's what I heard him say tonight. There's an abundance of grace. 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 You know, I don't want to worship a God, frankly, that couldn't help me. I know that's also, that that gets people so mad. You know, I was sitting down with somebody the other day and they were telling me how suffering is so good for you. You know, how it teaches you things and all this stuff. And I was like, you know, maybe it does. I, I didn't say anything. I just sat there and listened. But I I was thinking to myself, it's amazing the ways we talk ourselves out of God needing to show up and actually be who he says he is. And we have all these different theories and excuses and all this stuff. And I mean, I just... I don't know. I just choose to believe that Jesus actually came out. Now, if it hasn't happened, I, I mean, I'm not saying that they, I mean, there's things I believe for right now that aren't happening the way I'm happening, but I, I don't make that. What am I, my point is, is that either he is who he says he is or he's not. And I believe that he is who he says he is. And so if he says there's an abundance of grace here, I believe that there's an abundance of grace. I believe that he's got grace for me. I believe he's got grace for you. And grace, remember, is the thing that shows up and does what you can't. It does what you can't. It's an empowerment to do what you can't do. It's a, it's a great, it's, 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 it's supernatural. It is God himself showing up. Showing up. I mean, how many of us in here, I mean, and listening tonight, I mean, we know there's at least one area of our life where God needs to show up. Right? Raise our hand if there's at least one area in our life that God needs to show up. Right? And I, I guess the, the first thing I'm hearing God say is stop feeling bad about that. Like, really? Like, I'm connect. you know, it, it's... Because I know what it feels like to not... See, we know we're righteous. We know that we're God's kids because we aren't even in agreement with it. We're not even in agreement with it. The things in our lives that we know need to change. We're not in agreement with it. We hate it. We wish we didn't have to deal with it. We don't want it. 
but it feels out of control. It feels like those areas of, we just need God to show up. We need God's grace in those areas. And I, first we just need, I mean, I just need to hear that, that God's not mad. God's not mad at you for your struggle. Because a lot of times the shame of even having a struggle keeps you stuck in the struggle. You know, and you get so angry at yourself because you're just so sick of it. You don't want to do, you know, but you're, it's just a cycle or, or whatever of behavior, whatever that is. I just, I, I just, you're not in trouble. Like you just need to, somebody needs to hear that tonight. You're not in trouble. And, and here's the other thing I hear God saying. It doesn't define who you are. You are not defined by your struggle. You're not defined by your behavior. You're not just, not, you're not defined by your unrenewed mind or your, the way you're acting, that doesn't define you. And I just hear, you know, daddy defines you. Your father defines you. Your father in heaven defines you. And that he does not see you in your struggle. I mean, he sees you, he's with you, and he's not upset with you about it, but he's not defining you by your struggle. And here's the other thing that's beautiful about the Holy Spirit is he knows why we struggle. And it's one of the reasons why we're, not told, we're told not to judge. It's why judgment is so deadly. It's why we don't judge other people because we have no idea. We have no idea what someone has been through. We have no idea what shaped them as a human being, what shaped their perceptions, what shaped their belief systems. We have no idea why people are the way they are. Heck, we don't even know why we are the way we are half the time. But it's why judgment is a no-no. It's a no-no. And God is the only one who judges, meaning he's the only one that, that accurately understands. Okay, judgment is an understanding. And God understands the why. See, judgment is always about a motive. It's always about answering the question why. But God understands that. He understands what has shaped us, what has formed us, what has caused strongholds, what has, what has caused us to be whatever, however we are. He understands it. Which I'm going back to the rubber band ball. He understood how each one of those got wrapped around me, and he understood how to unwrap every single one of them. And I said, he's the only one that does. It's why we're called to love one another. We're called to be a safe place for one another while the Holy Spirit does what the Holy Spirit, only the Holy Spirit can do. And I, I'm going to go back to that. There's an abundance of grace. There's an abundance of grace. So what's the key? What's the key? What's the key with this? Lisa? If there's an abundance of grace, what's the key? You know what the key is? The key is relationship. You know when... <laughs> I started being set free. I started being set free when I actually could hear the Holy Spirit. <laughs> when I actually began to have a, a relationship with God. 
I mean, do you know how many visions I've had since that first vision? And do you know how powerful every single one of those has been? I mean, I remember the vision when I was, you know, a little kid, like I was about eight years old. It was a vision. I was driving in the car and I was hiding behind a rock and it was raining. It was freezing and I was filthy dirty. And I was hiding out behind a rock and Jesus comes and finds me behind the rock. And he's like, I've been looking for you everywhere. What are you doing out here? And I told him, this is what I told Jesus, the seven or eight year little girl. I've been a bad little girl. I mean, I'm an adult. I don't know these things are in my heart. I've been a bad little girl. You know what that is? That it was unrighteousness. That was shame. That was guilt subconsciously deep down inside of my heart. And you know what he said? He said, get in the house. Just like that. Get in the house. Like you'd hear your parents say. And I looked behind me and there's this big, huge house. And I know if you've been listening to my teaching, you've heard me tell this story, but it's worth repeating again because it's so good. And there was this big, beautiful house in the background stormy outside and he's like run get in there get in the house and I'm running you know to get in the house and he's like get upstairs and take a shower but I, I run in the house and it's awesome it smells like cookies it's Christmas time everything that represents home this house represented it was home it was home and you know, that means a lot to me personally because of the way of my, my childhood and just a lot of the things that I've been through. Home has been the attack on my life. I was adopted, had three dads by the time I was three. Grew up in a lot of violence and things that I just didn't have any place safe growing up. And you know, I, again, that just tapped into something. Everything's by de- de- design in these visions. You know, I walk in, it smells like cookies, it's home. And he's like, get upstairs and take a shower. And there's this shower. I have a little room. It's my own little room with my own little bathroom, except it's a blood shower. And he wants me to get in there and take a shower in the blood of Jesus. Like, this is intense. And then he's like, I've got a robe of righteousness for you. And it was this just out of the dryer, the fluffiest robe you've ever seen. It had matching little slippers. And like you put it on and it was just a picture of, of, of daddy's house and who I am and shame being washed off of me and guilt and righteousness being wrapped on me as an identity. You know, and why am I saying this is the Holy Spirit. This is an abundance of grace. What I'm describing to you is an encounter with God that ministered to me in a, in a place of my brokenness, in a place of my thinking, in a place of my relationship with myself. I mean, God has been healing my relationship with myself for almost 20 years. And I didn't even know that was my problem. If we would have started, I wouldn't have been able to tell you that was a big problem, that I had a really crappy relationship with myself, that I didn't really, I rejected myself, that I didn't like myself. And Growing up, I didn't like anything about my life, and so I just rejected my life, and it almost made me nuts. Literally almost made me schizophrenic because I just rejected everything internally, who I was, my identity. I just rejected all of it. So I've been walking with this man, Jesus. I've been walking with this Holy Spirit. I've been walking with him for long enough to say, that's the key. It is truly a relationship. I mean, yes, he's got an abundance of grace. 
It's, it, it, and it's wonderful that it, it's, not, it's not religious. It's not about principles, although you'll learn some principles. It, it's about a person. It's about a person named Jesus Christ. It's about a, 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 his spirit. It's about Holy Spirit. It's about being introduced to your father. And I mean experiencing your father as your actual father, the one who gives you identity, the one who actually defines you, the one who actually created you, the only one who can define you, the only one that can actually present you to you, the only one that can actually teach you about you and reveal who you are to you and give you permission to love yourself and permission to accept yourself and see yourself the way he does. You know, and so when I first started tonight, I, I kind of was thinking, okay, you're going to have us teach about thinking, but it's not so much about thinking as it is about the Holy Spirit and about walking with him into all truth. Because a lot of times you won't even know like, I can go back and tell you the experience that I had. Like, I can tell you about, you know, the blood shower. I can tell you about it smelling like cookies. I can tell you about the experience, but I can't describe to you what it did to me. I can tell you that a grace came on my life after that, that when I was in an actual shower, that I felt like there was something happening in the actual shower that was washing shame off of me and that was helping me understand righteousness as a nature. Like all of a sudden, I was taking on righteousness now as a way of being for myself. That I was never, ever going to allow condemnation and guilt and shame to get on me again because I was made righteous by the king of kings. Like he did something to me and now I'm righteous. And let me say this, it has affected me now, 20 years later, well, I don't earn jack anymore with my dad. I don't, I don't walk in performance-based, I don't receive things from God because of something I did. I receive things from God because of what he did. And frankly, I would feel terrible to not receive it because of what he did. I magnify what he's done so much that I, I, need, I have to take it. Like I recognize the stripes on his back. I recognize the crown of thorns on his head. I, I, I can't imagine going through what he's gone through for me. And for me not to take it would be disrespectful to what he went through. How in the world does it have to do anything with me? It has nothing to do with me. I wasn't even there. I wasn't even born. He didn't ask my opinion about it. I'm just taking it because of what he did for me. That's why we take, the, that's why we take these things. So what am I saying after all of this? I mean, this is what, I want you to just be still for a minute. I don't want you to connect to the Holy Spirit. He's right here with you. And some of you just need to hear what he's saying. 
He's been saying some of the most fun things, silly things, annoying things. You know, for some of you, I just hear him say, you're going to be fine. You're, you're going to be fine. You're just going to be, you're going to be fine. He's been telling me lately, I, we've been kind of joking about it on Emerge. He didn't tell me, you got this. I swear, every time he says it, I think of MC Hammer. It's just so annoying. You got this. Because I really don't, you know, it's like, do I have this? I don't feel like I have this. You know, he's just like, you got this. Brother, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. And, and for that, I, 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 I'm just going to hear what I'm hearing him say. For some of you, not only are you going to be fine, this is it. It's, they're just thoughts. They're just emotions. They're just perceptions. So much of what's, what, what has been tormenting or holding you captive or holding you hostage is in your inner world. And I hear him saying, I'm invading your inner world. I'm invading your inner world. And I see him just unlocking. It's like he's unlocking a door. And here's what I'm seeing. Is he, it's, it's almost like, um, it's like the pressure is coming out of the, you know, like you, it's like this, all this pre, internal pressure. And I, I'm just seeing this, this door open up and all that pressure almost like a pressurized cabin or something, just be sucked out. I'm just seeing that pressure being released. There's there's a a, a pressure relief coming, pressure relief coming. You're not in this alone, I hear him saying. I am in it every step of the way with you. I I feel every feeling. I, I, I hear every thought. And I am with you. Like some of you just need, I'm with you. And he's wanting you to recognize that his, his being with you is, is a opportunity to grab comfort in the moment. He's with you in it. He's with you in it. You are not alone. You are not alone. And I'm hearing him say, what feels like failure is going to be your finest hour. And he's given me a picture of um he's given me a picture of the cross. And there is a I don't know, there's a crucifixion. There's power, there's a power here. There's a power here that I, I, I don't, it's not, it's not something you understand, really. It's something you experience. It's the power of the cross. It's the power of what Jesus has accomplished. And there's grace here. There's grace here, right there. There's grace right there. Thank you, Lord. And so, Father, tonight I just pray um, just for a pipeline. It's like I'm seeing a pipeline in our ears, just a, a big pipeline 
just to hear you. I'm hearing just, 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 Lord, I just release grace to hear. There's an abundance of grace to hear. And so, Lord, I thank you that we hear your voice clearly. I thank you that you have experiences and encounters and truth. Holy Spirit, you're giving us truth however we need need it tonight. You're spoon-feeding us truth. You are illuminating the eyes of our understanding. You are flooding our hearts with light. You are a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God. And we just, we just receive that tonight, Lord. I release that tonight. I release an impartation tonight, Father, for breakthrough and for encounter and for experiences and for truth, God, and for surrender and for uh, whew, just a, just an, a, a, help me say the words, Lord, just for a, I'm just seeing and watching here for the for the move of God in our lives, Lord, that sets us free. Thank you that you are doing it already. Thank you that we're already in the midst of it. And thank you, Father, that even when it seems like we're asleep to it or we forget about it or we're not cooperating with it or we don't even want to do it, I thank you, Lord, that when we are faithless, you are faithful. I thank you that you are going to finish the good work that you began in us, that you are going to bring it to completion by your grace. Faithful are you that calls us, you will also do it. I thank you that you are finishing the good work you began in us. You are the author, you are the finisher, God. You are the alpha, you are the omega. You are the beginning and the end of it, God. And I thank you that it is a done deal from your perspective, that you are a good masterpiece maker, (laughs) that you are a good unveiler. Ah, I thank you that you are leading and guiding us into all truth, Holy Spirit. I thank you that it's happening now. And I just release grace. I say grace, grace, grace to the mountains. Grace, 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 and more grace. I say grace. When something seems too big for you, just say grace. We just say grace to the mountain. Grace, 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 grace. You know, there's a scripture um, that I'll read that has meant a lot to me over the years. Um, And I'm going to read it in the Amplified. Let me find it here um, so I can find the reference. But it is that scripture that says grace, grace to you, you know, um, let me just look it up really quick. It's like, who are you, mountain, before Zerubbabel? And I'm just going to read it in the Amplified Version. So let me find it. Zechariah 4, 7. Now let me just look it up in the right translation here. Let me just do it in the Amplified. Because that's the one I want to see. Here we go. It says this. In the Amplified Classic Version. Okay, it says, Who are you, O great mountain of human obstacles? Before Zerubbabel, who with Joshua had led return of the exiles from Babylon and was undertaking the rebuilding of the temple before him. Talking to the mountain, it says, You shall become a plain a mere molehill, 
And he shall bring forth the finishing gable stone of the new temple with loud shoutings of the people crying, Grace, Grace. That's a Zechariah 4, 7. And, um, yeah, and, and, and it says, in the Amplified, it says, O great mountain of human, human obstacles. Yeah. Grace, grace. You know, I remember I was praying for someone one time with arthritis. And whenever you pray for arthritis, it's kind of interesting to know that arthritis is a spirit. Um, Because, you know, if you watch television, you watch the arthritis commercials, they don't tell you it's a demon. They tell you to take a pill and there's no cure for it and, you know. But I was praying for this lady and pretty soon, I mean, a lot of times you can hear the voice of the enemy. Let me just say this too. This is for somebody. Not all of your thoughts are your thoughts. Um, There's a lot of things that you have taken on as you that aren't even you. And then you formed a self-loathing about it when it's not even you. But, side note, um, I was praying for this lady with arthritis. And, you know, I, I, and I heard this, this spirit of arthritis saying to me, it was almost like, you know, and this happens sometimes when I'm praying for people. It's like they'll start to list a, a list of things they've done wrong. Like, oh, she's got unforgiveness, and da 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 and like, da, da, da. you know, it's like almost like a reasons that I have the right to stay here. It's like I'll just start to list it off. I mean, I remember one time there was this lady totally, I mean, I don't know if she was possessed. She was close to it. The ushers came and got me in church one time. They would always come and tap me on the shoulder when there was a little situation in the back out of control. And so I went back to the ushers' room, and I'm telling you, this lady was just like throwing these men. I mean, there was like 25 ushers all like backed around in a circle like this around this little lady. And uh, this, there was a demon screaming, she's a baby killer, screaming it out of her mouth. Why? Because the demons, they, they like to keep score. They want you to try to earn what Jesus has already done. So that devil's trying to tell me all these things this lady did wrong. You know what I did? Got right. And that devil's face, how? I mean, I just saw it. And I just started saying grace. (laughs) Grace. (laughs) It's by grace. It's by grace. I just kept saying it over and over again. And I'll tell you, that just tortures, tortures the kingdom of darkness. They can't stand grace. They can't stand for somebody to get something that they didn't earn or they didn't deserve or they didn't work for or they didn't steward. Can't stand it. The kingdom of darkness is the most depressing, toil-based, bondage, slavery kingdom there is. And I tell you what, that devil couldn't stay. That arthritis couldn't stay. Can't stay in the face of grace. You know, and that lady that was screaming, she's a baby killer. Everybody's just praying in tongues super loud. The atmosphere was insane when I go in the room. And I just still remember this overwhelming urge just to get down on the floor really quiet and just take her hands and just put her face on my face and just love her. I just remember sitting there just face-to-face loving her. And that devil couldn't stay. I don't think I said a word. 
The power of God is real. I've seen it more times than I can count in my own life and the lives of other people. But it doesn't look sometimes the way we think it looks. It's super patient. You know, I tell some people sometimes, I say, what if God's not trying to change you? What if he's just trying to love you? Messes you up. Messes you up. Because he loved me where I was long before he changed me. Because he never wanted me to believe that he loved me because I changed. And I'm never going to deserve God's goodness. Honestly, it's too good for anybody to deserve. Um. And I'm at a place in my life where I've, I've experienced it so much that now it's just like I've raised my hand and said, yeah, you can use me to, to prove it. You can use me to prove who you are. It's a good prayer. So when he says there's an abundance of grace, I'm saying relax. Really, whatever he says Whatever he says is what matters. You know, whatever he says, just do it. He's never going to ask you to do something you can't do. It may be something you don't want to do. I mean, he's asked me to do some things. I mean, specifically in my relationship with my dad. Not now, but I mean 15 years ago when he was trying to move powerfully in that relationship and he wanted me to do some things in that relationship that I was hard for me to do. You know, but as I was obedient, always, always as we do what he asked us to do. But here's the thing. You can't be sure that it's him if you don't know him. A relationship means that you've gotten to know someone. It's not a theory. You know, know it. And about the only thing that gets me upset anymore, like this week, I'll explain something that happened this week. I've heard his voice a lot, so I, I feel like I know it. And I heard this voice this week that sounded exactly, I mean, it sounded like him. I mean, it was coming to me from the same place that I hear him from. But the problem was it wasn't grace. There was nothing about it that was grace. It was almost kind of like, but it it wasn't so bad, but it was just a little bit of a whip to it. Just a little bit of a whip to it. And you think, you know, now let me say this. If I share this with some people, they're going to tell you, well, you know, the the more you grow up, You know, you grow up and, you know, God doesn't treat you like he does new believers. You know, when you become a son, when you become an adult, he doesn't have to do that. I mean, that is just not in the Bible. I mean, there is no place where Jesus outgrew full dependency on God. He he said, I, my own self, I can do nothing. He never grew into independence. He never grew into a place where he could do something without dependency on the Father. But here's the deal. I probably listened to it for about three minutes. And I thought, I remember I took Ella to school. I brought her home. I mean, I was driving home. I got in the gate, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to test this spirit because this does not sound like the God I know. And I said, in the name of Jesus, it was funny. I said, do you confess Jesus? I said, do you say Jesus? They said they could say Jesus died, but they would not say that he rose from the dead, would not call him king of kings. And I was just like, you jerk. 
You have to impersonate God at this point, but you can't even do it. You can't even impersonate. You can't fool me. I felt like that commercial. You can't fool Mother Nature. Like I was like, you can't, you can't fool me. You know why he can't fool me? Because I know him. And I know his tenderness. I know his sweetness. And I tell people, see, the problem is I met Jesus when I was really messed up. I met Jesus when I was really broken. And he never talked to me in any way except honor and patience and grace and mercy. He spoke so kind, kind the kindness, no, no coercion, no control, not a bit of control, not a bit of manipulation. Like it's, that's not how he sounds. And so, you know, I've had well-meaning Christians in the years since that try to tell me, well, that's God, just blah, blah. And you know what? I never receive it. I know his voice. I know how he sounds. And the fruit of it's in my life. The fruit of it is all over my life. And so that's my, my word to you tonight is there is grace. There's an abundance of grace for you. If it's money, if it's financial bondage, boy, there's money grace. If there's health issues and diagnosis there, whatever, whatever the issues are, relational, whatever, there is grace. And you're not going to break through based on your willpower or based on, no, let God be God. Need a miracle already. Need a breakthrough already. Need God to be God. Need him to show up. And the only thing I say is, God, I know you're trying to get something good to me. I know you've got breakthrough on your mind for me. Boy, you've already, you see me changing the world. You see me doing things that I don't even think I could ever see myself doing. But man, I know you, by your power, that's what you've got for me. And so I'm just trying to get in an agreement. I'm just trying to see what you see. I'm just trying to, so you just tell me what to do. Tell me what to think. Tell me what to feel. What do I do? Help. Help me. How do I do it? I don't know how, you know, it's like almost like get myself in a tizzy. It's like, shh, shh. You know what he tells me all the time is breathe. Just breathe. Just be with me. Breathe. Let me love you. He's been telling me, let me love you into wholeness. Let me love you into wholeness, Shalice. There's still more in an experience of my love. There's still more. You barely scratch the surface. You think you know me, but you just barely know me. I'm glad for what you've learned, but gosh, there's so much more. Quit stressing out. You know, his voice is just, just... Calm, calm. It's good. So good. So, it's really all we need. I I know that sounds really simple, but I believe that with all my heart. I, I really do believe that he is the answer. And whatever other answer we might need or whatever other peripheral thing that might come from that, praise Jesus. 
That's his, that's his business. Amen? So what does that look like? It looks like, it looks like you're making more room for him. It means like making more room for him. That may mean, I mean, I don't know how often you're, for me, I'll tell you where I am right now. I, by the power of grace, by the grace of God, with the grace of God, I'm going to be developing some new daily habits that are centering me around his presence and centering me around seeing what he wants me to see and thinking what he wants me to think and, uh, Keeping my mind stayed on him. The word says that when we, he who keeps his mind stayed on him, he'll keep him in perfect peace. Peace is a person. And when we, we venture too far off of that, I mean, especially in certain seasons of our lives, there is a, it's a very narrow road that we're traveling down in these seasons of our lives. I think there's a lot of, in those seasons, there's, there's intense attack. It kind of reminds me of, Jesus in the wilderness when it was just such an attack on his identity and every, you know, fasting for 40 days and the devil's just assaulting them who, you know, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God. And so sometimes there's just these really intense seasons. And I feel like for me, that's why the Lord is saying like you have to develop another level of discipline around practicing my presence and around staying connected to me. And as whereas before, I've always been kind of a free spirit, but I, I don't, I didn't go far just because for me, when you've gone through the attack you have on your mind, you know, when it says to be carnally minded is death, that's real for me. So I can't, I can't go too far away because my mind will be affected by that when I don't have constant fellowship. So thankfully there's kind of been an internal compass in my own inner world. that's like, if I'm not too connected, I have to come back to center. But even in this season, it's more, it's more. And there's grace. There's grace for whatever God's, whatever God's doing in our lives right now, there's grace for that. It's not like I have to go do something to please God. It's no, he's doing something in my life, and I'm aware of it to the best of my ability and cooperating with it by his grace. So if you walk, you know, tonight's message is this, there is an abundance of grace. There is abundance of grace. And if I could say anything else, it's this. And, when, and I think the reason it's so important to know there's an abundance of grace is because there are giants sitting on your land. There are giants sitting on your inheritance. There are giants sitting on your future. There are giants sitting on the things that God provided for you. And the grace, I mean, those are the strongholds. Those are the, the ways of thinking. They're just all kinds of things. There's, there's giants that are squatting on that land, squatting on your future, squatting on the good life that God prearranged and made ready for you to live. And the only way through that is by the grace of God. The only way through that is by confronting it. We can't run from it as much as we want to run from it. It is time to confront it by the power of God. So there is grace to win. There's grace to slay the giant. There's grace for your success. He always causes you to triumph. You are more than a conqueror through him, through him, through him. You can do all things through Christ, which strengthens you. 
And the Amplified, it says, who infuses you with inner strength. You are self-sufficient in his sufficiency. There is a power source. There is a, there is a grace upon your life to move forward. And it's not real because you feel it. It's real because he said it. So, Shalise, what do we do? You know what? Hear his voice. Hear his voice. It's not about what I tell you to do. It's not about what even you think you should do. It's about what he's saying. You know, I have a, I, I like to hear him last thing before I go to bed. I've been journaling at night for a very long time. It's a great way to go to sleep. And it doesn't take long, I guess is my point. You know, I'm not saying you have to spend two hours with God every day, although he may start talking, and you might. But you know what? A five-minute conversation <laughs> with God before you go to bed at night. I mean, a focused conversation, not on the run, just a focused conversation, focused time. You know, not while you're, what am I, what my point is, just squeezing it in, you know, some dedicated listening time. I'll tell you, if you'll do it, you won't believe the progress you've made in six months. Because from the time I heard him say, you have more problems than a math book, Six months from then, my life was completely unrecognizable. Today, I can say, you know, I'm still just following him. And to me, that's the, that's the mark of a successful life. It's not outward success. It's not you can look and you can see, you know. I mean, I believe that there are certain things that you can have success. And that doesn't mean that. You're in his will. Human beings are very resourceful. So, Father, I just thank you for tonight. I thank you that you have spoken, and I thank you that you're going to continue to speak. And I just call people into that intimate place with you, Lord, where they can receive the grace that they need in the time of need. And, Lord, we just speak grace, grace, grace to the mountains. Grace to the giants, grace to the demons, grace to the obstacles, God. We say grace, 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 grace. Thank you for grace. Thank you for grace. And we just give you, a, we just give you permission to even teach us more about your grace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome.